I'm just going to um, share a sermon with us this morning. Um, we're going to be looking in Psalm 63, the desire of pursuing and chasing hard after God, what it really means. And I, I, I love you. Hear that testimony of it. It's that, it's that thing in which our hearts have been changed. The, the compass of our life has now been recalibrated. And the things that we used to chase after and go hard after get completely replaced and our heart and our desires and our affections get completely turned. That's what we call repentance, turning around from a pursuit of the old into this desire and pursuit and chasing hard after the new. And the incredible truth of it, like Thomas said in there, he thought it was all about him chasing hard after gods. But the second he turned around, he realised that the God of the universe had been chasing hard after him all of that time anyway. It's the fact that actually God is always the great initiator of our stories and that we're always called to be the responders to what God has already done in our life. That's the truth of the gospel. God has begun things. We respond and receive his goodness as an act of grace and we enjoy life everlasting all that he's done. Um, just before, just before I, I begin what I prepared, we pray before church at nine o'clock in just the room there. You're so welcome. If you're a prayer, even if you're not a prayer, come and join us at nine o'clock. We'd love to, we'd love to pray together as a church, but I'm often a bit quiet in those prayer times. I'm not always quiet. Um, sometimes a bit of a chatter. But there, I, just, I, lo- I love just listening to people's prayers. And I, I really felt God just gave me a word for someone today. I'd, I'd say it's like a little word of knowledge, just a specific thing. And it might be for a, a few people that are here. Um, but you might, just, you might receive this. So um, recently, I've been trying to teach my daughter how to swim underwater. And so she can swim on the surface, but she really wanted to do, you know, when you dive down and you hold your breath a little bit and do those big pulling your arms underneath the surface as you go. She was desperate to do it. And so the, the problem is she'd go there and then she'd start to breathe immediately. And I said, right, you need to take three deep breaths. So we'd sit together, really just like taking a deep breath, hold on to it, then breathe all out. Breathe in through your nose. If you don't know these teacher techniques, they're good for in through your nose, out through your mouth, calm, just filling your lungs with oxygen and then your whole body's getting flushed with oxygen. We're going to do three big ones first. So you've got oxygen in your body and all your muscles are full of and saturated with a bit of oxygen there. We're going to wait and then we're going to do a short little breath and then we're going to go under. And she's amazed because she's swimming further than she was before. And she's like, can you drop that rock in the water so I can pick it up? And I want to try and see, can I swim under your legs and do all these things? Oh, amazing, love it. But then I just, I really felt that God just said, there are people this morning and sometimes you treat church a little bit of that or uh, treat church because church isn't an event that we come along to. It's a people that we're part of. But sometimes you'll treat this Sunday morning a bit like the, the deep breath of oxygen that will help you out through the course of the week. I, I, I just felt the Lord say, there are people here this morning who you turn up and you hope If I just get a few deep breaths of really nice worship or really encouraging people or someone might say a nice little word, hopefully that will give me just enough oxygen in my lungs to be able to dive underneath the surface and to be able to swim hard for the next few days until I need to grab it again. I just felt God say to you this morning, you don't have to take deep breaths of oxygen anymore because once you're a new creation, you can breathe underwater. You, I give you gills. I give you the ability. You don't need to continually keep trying to take these breaths because the Spirit of God that rose Christ Jesus from the grave is now at work in you. You're able to breathe within the world that you live in. Stop, stop treating this like a moment in which, as long as I just get 
a deep enough breath, I'll survive. And God, in a loving rebuke, it's a loving way of God just saying, breathe. Breathe underwater. Breathe me in. Know that I'm with you at all times. Know that if you're now a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. Breathe where you are. Yes, yeah, it's important to be gathered with the people of God. Yes, it's significant. But I'm saying the word of God is a gift to you. Breathe during the week. Prayer is a gift to you. Breathe during the week. Fellowship with others is good for you. Breathe during the week. Breathe in all that you do and know that actually you're able to swim in the things that you're walking through in the moment and say, I haven't got to wait until my next God encounter there because God longs to meet with me and is with me as I'm walking through my daily life. You've got gills. You're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All right, I just, and, and I'm, just, I'm going to take a bit of a punt on this. I just want to pray for some people now before I begin, because if that's you, a whole room of people will just want to just pray for you quickly. So if you're, if you're there already, you just know that that's maybe your mentality and you just want to breathe underwater a little bit, just stand. Just stand before me, just if there's anyone. One, if it's one person, you're going to get 500 prayers. There you go. There's a couple. Just getting spread out. Here you go. There's a few people. How many, this is family. It's all right. This is, don't, don't look around. Don't try and spot who's standing up. Just before God's. And I, I'm, we're just going to pray now. If I'm praying, you don't need to feel that you've missed your chance. I'm, I'm going to close my eyes because it just help me think about God and not about you lot too much. I'm just going to put my hands out and I just encourage you, if you're standing, just to close your eyes before the living God now. And just, just as we are, just, just breathe. Just this morning, it's just breathing. It's that involuntary... Thing that's going on in us that's fueling the whole of our life breath we say breath of God breathe on us anew breath of God breathe on us anew we receive the life giving spirit that is Jesus Christ the man of heaven And we let his power work in our lives. We receive your breath today. We receive your mercy today. We receive your goodness today. God of grace, breathe upon my dear brothers and sisters this morning as they stand obedient, loving servants of the living gods. Renew them this morning and send them out to breathe, to daily walk with you, to breathe your breath, to live your life, to receive your power, to live lives that are pleasing to you in all that they say and all that they do but they bring glory and fame to the name of Jesus. We are your servants, living God. And we love your power. We love your goodness. And we receive your grace. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well done for standing this morning.
Well done for receiving and living the good of those words as well as you just walked this week. Okay. Um, I had a similar encounter to Thomas as a 17-year-old for me, sobbing my eyes out in bed because actually I went to, it wasn't New Day at the time, didn't go with just my mates, I had to go with my parents to stuff like that, to Bible Weeks. And I went and I intentionally took non-Christian mates along with me to a Bible week because I wanted an excuse to clock out. I thought if they're there, I can blame them for not going along because they don't want to be part of it. But the reality was I didn't want to be part of it. I was much more interested in chasing girls. I was much more interested in trying to sneak a little bit of drink in the evenings. I was much more interested in just smoking outside the meetings. That's where my heart had turned to. And I was raised in church. I was raised around it. I got great Christian parents who loved me. Set a great example in my life. I had good Christian friends. I had a wonderful church that prayed for me. I'd turn up to church on a Sunday morning, but my heart was not pursuing and chasing after God's. And I got home at the end of the week and I wasn't on a high of thinking, wow, wasn't that amazing? Like Esther said, how great I feel close to God. I laid in bed and I thought, I am nowhere near pursuing Jesus in my life. I'm a fraud. I'm an absolute phony. Everything that I show publicly is not true internally. And as a 17 year old, I just cried. I cried because I was scared. I cried because I was embarrassed. I cried because I was ashamed. I cried because I was afraid that God was angry at me. I promise you those tears were so good tears in my life. They were so good for me. They sat me in such good stead for years ahead now. I'm now, I'm 23 years older than that day today. And I'm so grateful that for those 23 years onwards, my heart changed. I recalibrated. I turned away from just having a public persona of nominal Christianity and I chased hard after God. I was like, I've either got to completely walk away from this and enjoy the freedom of not following Jesus or I've got to fully chase him with all my heart. And that was the decision I made that night. In my tears, in my bed, on my own, with no one else there. And I knew God had made me a new creation. And from that day onwards, I just want to pursue him. Now, life's done that. <laughs> but the trajectory of where I'm pursuing is I'm pursuing hard after God's. I feel like I just, just discovered this new eternal destination, this homeland, this hope that I want to reach for. And it's strange because in some ways, God has deeply satisfied all of those desires and longings that always existed there. And yet at the same time, I'm still hungry for more. I, I don't know quite how to explain that a little bit, but I, I like it. I like the fact that God seems to have it seems to have begun something in my life which causes me to want to chase after him and know him and to be deeply satisfied in a way that I was never satisfied really before by the things of the world. And yet there's something in me that still wants even more of it. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's just selfish desires in me. But maybe it's just the fact that God is so big, so good, so great, so kind. How could I ever really fully know him in all completeness? How could I ever fully grasp and comprehend with all the saints the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God? So I'm just on that pursuit. I'm chasing after it. I'm not on the chase of a DBS worker. 
who wants to head to the back. But that would be a blessing if you could do that because we've probably got too many kids upstairs. That's what that means. Um, but I am chasing hard after God. And so I want to read you a, a, a psalm from a guy called David. David was a young guy. He began his ministry by fighting lions and bears on his own as a shepherd boy, sitting outside while his older brothers did all the important stuff. He ended up fighting and killing a giant. You might have heard that story about Goliath. And then, funny enough, life takes a bit of a turn and he ends up in a wilderness place. And he ends up with this thing saying, I deeply desire and pursue after God. And yet there's still this longing in me that I would know more of you and that you would satisfy me even in the wilderness places. Even when I feel like I'm in the desert and no one cares for me and everyone's out to get me. And my life is at a ruin, something I long for after God. So let me just read this from the CSB. It's Psalm 63. And the title of the Psalm in my Bible says this, Praise God who satisfies. It's the Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And he says this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. In a land that is dry, desolate, and without water, so I gaze on you in the sanctuary. Oh, to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich foods. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. It's the words of David. They might resonate with you a little bit. It might make you think a little bit about your own desires and the things that you chase after. I hope that if you have tasted the goodness of God, if you've made the choice to follow him, you'll resonate with that idea of knowing you satisfy more than life. I know, I said this, I did someone's marriage prep a little while ago. So before people get married here, we often like to have a bit of an opportunity just to sit with the couple and talk. Talk about their families, that's always fun. Talk about what they think about money. Talk about their future hopes and plans. Talk about what annoys each other about each other. It's better to do it before you get married, I promise you. And you will annoy each other, so you may as well talk about it. And so we do sort of things like that and we talk about it. And actually, I, just, I remember saying to this young guy, you are the most attractive version of yourself to your wife when you are the most desiring of pursuing after God. More attractive than when you go down the gym. More attractive than when you've read some fancy book and you've got some clever quotes to put out. More attractive than when you're rich and famous. When you are pursuing hard and chasing after God, that is the most attractive version of who you are because it's who God has always created you to truly be. You're attractive to people when you're like that. Now, it's interesting because, you know, hopefully, I guess, for, your, for this young guy's wife, his wife was a follower of Jesus, so she finds that attractive in him. Some people who are not followers of Jesus might not find that attractive about you. That might be like a smell in their nostrils. Proverbs says that makes them feel, oh, it smells like death to me. I don't want anything to do with that person. Because you're different from the world now. 
If you follow and chase after God, to follow other followers of Jesus, and even those that God might be doing something in their heart, you become the most attractive version of yourself. People are like, what is it about you? What is it about you that's like that? And again, it's not because you've got a new tint in your hair or your teeth have been done in wherever they've been done. It's not because you've had a liposuction. It's not because of those things. It's because you are pursuing after the greatest prize and the greatest treasure of knowing Jesus and being known by him. And that is attractive. Something about the spirit of God starts to, starts to like reverberate and resonate in you that people see and notice about you. They say, whoa, what's changed? What's gone on, girlfriend? What's looking good there? What's happening? Because they see something in you and they think, what has gone on in your life? I'm chasing after, hard after Jesus. And it becomes attractive to people. And other people will say, I actually don't want anything to do with you anymore. I used to like when you chased hard after girls. I used to like when you chased hard after a, a quick hire. I used to like when you chased hard after money or power or influence or your career. That's what I used to like about you. You're chasing hard after Jesus. Well, I don't know. It smells like death to me. You're wasting your life. It's all right. That's the, that's the dynamic of being a follower of Jesus, someone who's in the world and yet not of it anymore. You're changed. You're different. You'll feel different. You'll look different. Now, I'm a massive fan I went and watched two films recently. Um, I didn't like Oppenheimer. Did anyone else watch Oppenheimer? I thought it was all right. I just thought it was all about power. And I'm not really that interested in power. But what I did like was Barbie. <laughs> I was a big fan. I bought, I'll come straight out. My mates know how, you know, yeah. You know how much I love a, a cheap eBay jumper. Um, <laughs> That was a £10 purchase as I walked out of Barbie to buy myself. I am Knuff. Now, if, again, what I've noticed is when I wear it, middle-aged women smile at me. <laughs> so, hey, lucky me. Um, it's strange because I'm middle-aged as well now, so I guess people of my age smile at me. Um, but anyway... The idea is that Ken and Barbie are in the film and Ken has a massive identity crisis about is he Ken? What does it mean to truly be Ken? If, if Barbie's found her place and her role in the world, you know, the competitive nature, especially of the sexes, is to say, what's the bloke meant to do in this situation? Where are we meant to fit in? Am I Ken enough? You know, that's the idea. Is Ken truly Ken without Barbie? Who am I in myself? And so I just I found it, it was brilliant. It was about identity. It was about who we really are. It's about wrestling with those inner feelings of, am I really enough in things? And I bought it. And it, to me as well, it's just a massive thing. of That's where our society picks the whole time. We're constantly being asked that question. And, you know, for Esther and Thomas, the, the reasons you challenge, I've, I listen, I think 16, 17 year olds, feeling the burden and pressure of life because someone's saying to them already, are you enough? Is, is all of this enough? Have you really worked out life yet? No, I'm 16. Of course I haven't worked out everything yet. Of course I'm struggling with who I am. Of course I'm trying. And the danger is the world is continuously saying, you've got to find it in here. Your enough lives inside of you. And as long as you can find the special, unique thing that makes you, you, that makes you Ken, then you'll be enough. And everyone will accept you. And everyone will love you. Because you, you're special, you're internal. You've got to dig and find it. And then you look there sometimes. And I look there and I look and I think, man, I am not enough. 
I do not have the answers in here. I am so lacking. I fall so short in the expectations, not just that people put on me, but on the expectations of myself. I've got no special hidden traits inside of Ollie Stevens. They don't exist. They're not there. I can see why people I used to teach fall into manic depression because they're constantly being told, you've got to find it. Pressure's on. You better do it before you hit 16. You better do it before you head off to university. You better know who you are at that moment. And then here's, here's the way that the gospel absolutely blows that stuff out of the water. I think I'm jumping around a little bit. No, I'm not. I'm good. Can you flick on to 1 Corinthians 15? Because this is what Paul said. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle. This is the dude who wrote you know, a vast majority of the end of the Bible there. Planted churches. And he says, I'm the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. That is, it's not, it doesn't say I am who I am. I am what I am. This is me. And Jesus loves me. And he is enough. Oh, what to wear that as a jumper. Not I am enough. He is enough. Oh, man. You know, so I wear it and I'm walking along. And I, in some ways I'm laughing because I'm thinking, you think this is about, I'm, in my head I'm like, I'm enough. He's enough. Knowing him is enough. He's enough to deeply satisfy every need, every lonely moment, every, every objection of thinking, really? Every moment of depression, every moment of sadness, every moment of isolation, every desire for something greater is to be able to say, because he is enough, I am what I am. You know? And then all of a sudden we can start dealing with I'm worried, oh, I don't think I'm looking great at the moment. I'm worried about this, this am I going to have enough finances that are going to come through? Am I a nice enough person? Have I satisfied that thing? Have I done it? No, by the grace of God, I am what I am because he is enough. He's enough and he deeply satisfies. And yet there's something in him as well that desires and, cha- and causes me to pursue and chase, therefore, even after God's. The reason it changes is because, again, society is teaching us continuously that the answers you're looking for are here because we're the primary, we're the primary character in our stories. We're always previous. But this is a wonderful quote that says there that says, God is always previous. God is always the initiator. God is always the primary character and story in all of creation. And I get to say, I know him. I know God and he knows me. And he says he loves me and he welcomes me and he forgives me and he knows the depths of my heart. He knows everything that's going on internally and yet he still chooses to pour out grace and kindness and says, you're all right, he's with me. Yeah, Ollie Ollie Stevens, he's all right, he's with me. Come on, he's with me. My identity gets formed completely around my relationship now with the living God because I'm now in Christ, a new creation. The old has gone and new has come. I no longer have to worry about am I enough because he's enough and I know him and he welcomes me as I am. 
and he transforms me and he changes me. And praise be to God that he doesn't leave me as a stupid 17-year-old who was chasing hard after other things in this world. He slowly, in grace and mercy, has spent 23 years trying to file off a few rough edges, trying to hopefully change and transform this, this little old person that I am. And praise be to God, this isn't who I'm going to always be. He's going to continue working and fashioning and changing and transforming me by the power of the grace of the gospel. And do you know what my thing is? Stay in relationship with God. That's what I've got to do. That's my end of the bargain. Stay in relationship with the living God. Stay grafted to the true vine that brings life. Stay connected to the source of change and transformation. Pursue and chase after God in all of his fullness and he will fulfil his work in us. Um, John Bunyan wrote a great book. It's what are we looking at? 1684. So we're looking at 340 years ago he wrote this book. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, it shapes our culture. There'll be loads of references in there that you will have heard that will come across. The idea of being a pilgrim, of chasing after God, just something that Bunyan really started to write. And it's because Bunyan wrote these words in 1684 during a 12-year prison sentence for refusing to conform to the official state church. The church was going for a bit of change at that time. And he found his place in it wasn't always welcome. So he found himself in prison for 12 years. So he decided to write a story about a pilgrim that chases hard after God, that pursues him, the pilgrim's progress. And it's a weird word, pilgrimage, because sometimes we might have heard it said, now, I'm a pilgrim, but I, and I'm, I'm a bit ashamed of something. I'm a pilgrim of football stadiums. Hey, I'm sorry. I just like it. I like visiting a weird, random... Last year, me and my friend Joe and our two boys, we drove to Holland to go to... A, you wouldn't have heard this team, Mechelen, just because it was just to go to a different football stadium to watch a game of football in there. And I've realised... I've got this little pilgrimage in me that's almost like, oh, I'd quite like to visit there because it's got a funny little football stadium that I could go to. And if, again, if you know me, I end up buying a, a second-hand football shirt from that place as well. I don't know why. Blokes are weird, aren't they? Anyway, we've got weird hobbies. So I'm chasing after, and I've, pilgrimage though, is it's just this thing where sometimes, and you might be a pilgrim, I don't know, we've all got pilgrimages that are built into us, but there's something in me that thinks, oh, I'd really like to get there, I'd really like to go to it. I'll start saving up a bit of money. I'll try and block out some diary and then I'll get on the road and I'll start travelling towards it and then eventually I'll reach it and I'll get there. And the weirdest thing is even with football stadiums, you're like, oh, let's, what's the next one? And then you pilgrimage after the next thing. And life can be full of little pilgrimages that are going on. But actually, if that's just like a little, a little like microcosm of life, the greatest pilgrimage that I'm truly on is to pursue after God's. Something in him now, is, is, it's strange, it's like captured my heart that I long for knowing him, I long for pursuing him, I long for him to be at work in my life, I long for an increase of his kingdom in all I say and do, I long to see him at work within my family and friends and in this wonderful town and to the ends of the earth and I want to play my role in doing that and so I feel like I'm on this pilgrimage now of following God. And actually in the next few weeks we're going to start a little teaching series on, the, on Abraham, the life of Abraham, like one of the first few pilgrims what did it mean for Abraham to go oh yeah I'm living in this place but God has called me to a new place I'll give up where I was and I'm going to now follow after a God that I don't really know 
but in faith I'm going to follow him. That's what pilgrimages do. Something about in faith, making actions and choices that lead towards a destination that we're pursuing after. And my greatest pursuit is to pursue after God. And I just want to invite up Sally and Ben just for a second because they're just going to play this song. And so 200 odd years later, it's a great name, Percy Derma. I thought it was Dreamer when I first read it. That would have been a better name. But Percy Derma turns the words of Pilgrim's Progress into a hymn. And some of you all know it and some of you will never have heard of it. That's all right. I just wanted to play it because I just want you to hear and to listen to some of the words of this hymn as it appears up there. And again, you might know it. Some people might be saying, we're not, we're not using it as kind of a sung response. I just want us to consider some of the words of what it is to pilgrimage and to follow after God. So is that all right? You got it now. Praise be to God that Sally's singing, not me. as they come across and Gillian says something wonderful in our prayer time as we began in some ways Esther and Thomas set an example of public declarations of following Jesus this morning 
every single one of us in this room should daily declare those same truths of Christ, I'm following you today. So just, I, just where you are, just in this moment, just as Ben keeps playing, I'm just make those declarations again in your heart. That's the sort of church I want to be part of. That's the people that I want to spend my time with. It's the most attractive people on this earth. The people who say, Jesus, I don't matter what men say. With all my might, with all my strength, on labour night and day because I know that in the end I shall inherit eternal life though I fight with giants I'm going to follow the master there's no discouragement there's nothing in this life that can turn me away now from following God in all his goodness So we again, as the people of God this morning, we make this vow to be a pilgrim. Thank you, God, that you don't leave me on my own to do that. Thank you, God, that you bring me into a family that is called to chase and pursue after God together. But I play my part. I make my choice. I make my bed once again. I put all my eggs in your basket. I follow after you, Lord God, with all of my heart. Now, just as we're coming into land, and I, I, Ben, if you keep playing, is that right? It's one I love. It's so wonderful to have a bit of just out there. These are just some things I felt God just, just say to me and say to us at church. We're going to have an info night on Tuesday this week. If you're a member here or part of our church family we want you to come along on Tuesday evening because we want to tell you about stuff that's going on in the life of the church but before we tell you about stuff I've got to know that people are chasing hard after God if we don't put God first if we put accomplishments achievements if we put our own aims and intentions first we lose the greatest prize in all of it which is God himself and he's the one like Rory said this morning the free gift that costs us everything (laughs) the free gift of God that costs everything. And I just felt God say to me, say to us, the church, Ollie, what if you were saved? What if you felt your salvation was it? You know, no, no worries about that there. But what if you didn't actually have a hunger or thirst for me anymore? What if you were satisfied with so little What if your satisfaction had just been caught by the things of this world and you'd forgot that that I want to do in you? And I could, I could build comfort around me. I could build accomplishments and achievements. I could have a great group of friends. I could have all the external optics of a happy life. And yet I know that my greatest desire and I hope that your greatest desire is to love God. If I don't have anything else in this world but to know him and to have him, it's enough. That is a massive challenge. I, um, I see it throughout the Bible. The Bible's full of it. Abraham, he pursues God into a new land. Moses, 
He says, show me your glory, Lord. David, he cries and he seeks after God and he shouts and praises loud when he's found him. Mary Magdalene, she says, oh, to sit at your feet. I know there's so much other things I could be doing, but I just want to sit at your feet. Paul, to say that I may know Christ. Everything else, everything else is lost to me. Oh, that I may know Christ. Oh, that I have found him. Do you know that God waits to be wanted? That sounds strange, doesn't it? But he does. God often, he's a gentleman. And he just stands there and he says, do you want me? He waits to be wanted. Our response is to desire and long for him. First and foremost, beyond any of the other fancies and things in this life to pursue and chase after him. I, I had this little moment the other day when I'm reading the Old Testament. So in it, in Numbers 18, they're dividing up the land that they've been given by God and each of the tribes get given different bits of land. There's one tribe that don't get any land though, tribe of Levi. They're the priests. I had this little moment where as I was reading it, I was like, who's got more? The people with the lands, people with their little patch that have been given or the tribe of Levi that get God? Who gets more? Who gets more in that deal? I bet the Levites thought, where's our lands? Where's our inheritance? Where's our little patch of this? And God says, I'm your land. I'm your inheritance. And then it says this, the one who has God for his treasure has all things in one. If you have God, you have it all. If you have him, you have everything. And then everything else becomes a bonus. Everything else becomes a blessing. You can carry all things through this life when you first and foremost know that you have God and he has you. Wow. That is a wonderful truth. And um, yeah, I, I just, I feel this for me recently. I just keep being reminded, this is a, this is a like, quite a famous old Tozer quote, A.W. Tozer. He said, I have only started my heart's happy exploration into the infinite riches of the Godhead. That's the best thing about being a pilgrim. I've only really just begun. I've only just started knowing what God truly is like and how good he really is towards me. I've only tasted a little bit of the goodness, the infinite mercies and grace and goodness of God. I've only tasted a little cup of all that he has for me. And I've just begun an exploration into the fullness of his riches. Church, let's be a church that fully pursue and chase after God's and enjoy the fullness of his riches towards us. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to invite the band up. If we might sing, I don't know if we say, maybe we'll sing to be a pilgrim together. I feel like we could, could probably sing that through. But um, let me just bring this in prayer. Let me just invite you to stand to your feet. Been sitting down for a while now. I don't always write down my prayers, but I just, I felt I wanted to write this down. Sometimes if I just let what bubbles out of my head, it's nonsense. 
That's all right, nonsense, God can deal with it. Sometimes it's just so good to be intentional, to ask God for some things. I'm just gonna pray, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Oh God, I have tasted your goodness. Your goodness has satisfied me and it's made me thirsty for more. Oh God, I am so conscious of my need for your grace. God, I need you. God, I'm ashamed of my lack of desire for you at times. I repent, I say sorry. I know I can chase after the things of this world. Lord, I want my heart to chase hard after you first and foremost. Oh Lord, we say today, we want you. We long to be filled with greater longing for you, Lord. We thirst to be more thirsty for you. We say, like Moses said, show me your glory, Lord. We pray that we may know you. We say, begin in me a new work of love. Oh, merciful God, begin in me a new work of love. Say to my soul, rise up, come away with me. I love it when you say that, God. Rise up, come away with me. I cannot believe that you want to spend time with me. I cannot believe that I move your affections. I cannot believe that you desire to know me. Lord, give me grace to follow you. Give me the grace I need to pursue you with all my heart and to leave behind the valleys below and to pursue you up the mountain, to see you in all of your goodness. Thank you, God, for what you've begun. We long for so much more. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.